thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Hello, dear sisters. Welcome to the Wild Awake Women podcast. My name is Imogen Bailey. I'm a birth and an end-of-life doula, which is a non-medical support person. I'm also a women's circle educator, and I'm super passionate about the ancient tradition of women coming together and telling their life stories, sharing their stories and their life experience and their wisdom and passing it down to each other so that we can learn and grow through each other and with each other. It is my absolute honor to interview some incredible women and to talk about their journeys, their aha moments, the moments when they've made changes, they've taken risks and they've gone on their life mission from the heart. Wild Awake Women, welcome to episode two and I'm going to be interviewing a woman who I think is incredible, Jade Robertson Clancy, who is the founder of and also the developer of the Blossom Guide, which is a young woman's guide to empowerment. The reason why I wanted to interview her is we've known each other now for a couple of years. We met on social media because we have similar interests in empowering women, but I wanted to interview her because the work that she is doing is incredible and has grown so much since we first started talking, but she is out there on the ground, working with young women, working with their confidence, their self-worth, their empowerment, exploring sexuality, exploring all the effects of social media and things like that. So she is really out there on the ground doing this work. So welcome, Jade. It's a pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you, Imogen. It's a pleasure to be here. And I think you're amazing. So yeah, looking forward to hearing um, about you and your work as well. Well, let's get wild and awake together and let's just dive straight into, for those uh, uh, women who are listening and they have not heard of your program yet, do you want to just let us know a little bit about a snapshot about what it is that you do? Yeah, so it's called The Blossom Guide, A Young Woman's Guide to Empowerment and I really started it because I wanted to support young women to explore all of the modern social factors that could be impacting them. So things externally, Mm -hmm. and these were basically things like pornography, which is a very new phenomenon, um, social media, pop culture, relationships, body image, and I really wanted to deliver it in a way that was fun and engaging and meaningful for them so they could make the necessary changes and navigate this space for themselves. And this is kind of, it's a new approach to it, isn't it? Because it is definitely, from what I've seen of your program and from what I've um, heard from people who've done it, is it is different to what's available in schools, right? Yes, definitely. And I've actually come from a training today that actually has left me a little bit tired because even though the stats and the statements were all great, For me, it was still delivered and executed in the same way we've always done it, um, which can be kind of very biological, very black and white, very um, maybe values based in other people's opinions. So, you know, maybe saying things like porn is bad and, you know, if your partner watches it, tell them to stop, which we know isn't appropriate or helpful now. Yeah, and I think, well, look, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you because I find that so wildly awake about you, which is that you have this approach which is 
super non-judgmental. It's very open. You're very much uh, about taking on lots of different opinions and education from lots of different spaces and knowing that women today and, and you know, young women are coming up, they're growing up in a world that is so different, uh, definitely so different to where where I was when I, I was growing up and they're so exposed to this hypersexuality um, and I, you know, I just, I really applaud you because I know that it is a difficult thing that you're doing. I know that there are systems and processes and protocols in place where people want you to fit into a certain box. And I have to applaud you for going against the grain there and really taking chances. What you're doing for young women is wonderful. But what I really want to know is how did you get to this? Cause I love, I just love you. You're a renegade. You're just out there saying, <laughs> we're not going to do it the old way that it was done. We need new ways. So I want to know how you got to the place where you decided to, I'm, I'm going to do this? Well, thank you, Imogen. It's a good confidence boost this afternoon. Um, I really struggled in my 20s and I'm now 30 and it's actually amazing. Each day I have these memories of how much I used to struggle, but not in a negative way, kind of in a, wow, I've actually moved through it way. Um but I was a young woman who stereotypically in Australia would have seen like I had it all. I had friends, I had a partner, I had a good job, um, I travelled, I had access you know, to resources and fashion and parties and all of these things and I was doing it all and consuming it all and you know, couldn't stop. I was working and out every weekend. But something was truly missing within. I had really low self-esteem really low self-confidence. I didn't really know who I was. So sometimes I would think I knew and I'd have an opinion, but then maybe, you know, someone could sway me or change me. So it was a very kind of sad and lonely space to be in and very confusing. And as I started to kind of reach out and learn, um, you know, probably from women like yourself doing awesome work around empowerment and waking up and you know looking within I just started to see the truth and the truth of who I wanted to be and the way I wanted to live and I did the hard work and yet yeah, started to go against the grain of what was expected but you know discovered that I was much happier mm-hmm. and without going on too much about That journey, I guess, professionally as well, which, you know, I don't know who else you've spoken to on the show, but maybe sometimes I think a few different spaces in our life align and that's when you have the aha moment. Mm -hmm. So there was the personal, but then professionally I was actually working in the women's services sector. So I was working in a women's refuge. So I was working around family and domestic violence and delivering courses to women who had experienced this. And I was feeling really frustrated in the system because even though it's a great system and people are doing really great work, I felt like exactly what you said before. It wasn't new. We weren't doing things in a new way. And I felt like the system was built on fear. Mm. And I thought, well, I've just shaken all my fear, so I don't want to keep operating within this sphere and I was actually driving to work one day and it felt like a seed was placed in my head (laughs) if that makes sense (laughs) yeah (laughs) so I literally was just driving and 
something in my mind said you were starting a program, it's going to be for young women and it is going to be around hypersexualization and how to combat that and there was no ifs or buts about it. I didn't even have the right, well, I had a few skill sets but definitely not the whole kit to do it mm. but I knew at that moment, no, I'll be leaving my job in a few months and doing this. Amazing. And did you, and you also have done, I know you've also done some study too, right? Oh, yes. So I think to do something like this, definitely there needs to be some study or some understanding of society and what's going on. So I have a background in social science. So looking at sociology and some of the social issues that are going on and how we might start to tackle them. And I've also done some postgraduate study in community development, which really is about you're not the expert, but you're bringing the right people together to start to make the necessary social changes. So it sounds to me like your journey was really about gathering all these ingredients that were leading you to the place where the seed was planted, you decided, I felt like this when I, you know, I felt like this and I'm looking for something to change that. There's nothing available. I'm going to do it. Yeah, definitely. I just think, Imogen, that, you know, Australia, we like to think that we're a really laid-back country, but we're actually not. Mm. (laughs) I think, you know, there still is a really conservative overtone where we don't talk about things. But then deep down, there is a lot of, um, you know, binge drinking and porn consumption and disrespectful relationships and lots of things going on. But the way we tackle them, I don't think there are services or programs available to all young women. And I definitely wasn't a young woman that accessed these types of things, you know, the typical kind of youth work um, service who might have pizza on a Friday night in a Mm drop-in I just thought there's so many even though these things are great for some young people I just thought there's so many young women that are slipping through the cracks and not having these conversations and then ending up like me in their 20s or 30s and carrying through their lives so do you think that the work that you do should be an extension of sex education in schools Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great question. I think we do sexual health really well in Australia. We really are able to talk to young people, you know, about STDs and contraception. And I know that it was drilled into me from a really young age. But we definitely need to have this social sexuality component added because I don't think you can actually deliver sex ed in an effective way now without having this because we know that young people are seeing pornography sometimes from age 12 or 13. Mm. And so do you think that is this something that you, because I know you are teaching your program in some schools at the moment, and do you find that it's something that schools are open to or do you find that it's something that that you have, you know, people that are opposed to it? Because I think, you know, talking about pornography with teenagers, I think it's awesome um, and I think it's really needed. But do you find that people, are there people that say to you, no, I don't don't want that to happen? I don't, I haven't had an outright no, but definitely sometimes the uptake is slow. I think that school communities, teachers, parents, 
and the, uh, the you know psychologists within the schools they want to do this work but sometimes they're just not sure how they're mm. not sure who is the right person who is the right service that are going that's going to fit into this school and sometimes it might be a question of funding or other kind of structural issues but I think that um yeah, we're getting there slowly. And I know for me, I'm just trying now to target specific schools. So schools that have wellbeing programs already that are interested in positive psychology and building their young women to be the best they can be, that's where I want to kind of slip into and complement the work already being done. Mm. Which it would be awesome if that could be at all schools, wouldn't it? Like that's what we would be aiming for, hoping for, I would think. Yes, what did you learn at school, Imogen? What, what do you remember about your, your sex education? Uh, I remember very little about it. I think that it was very straight-laced. It was very much about, I remember lots about contraception and STDs, but I don't think I was ever given any information about, um, about sexuality, about social sexuality, about um, emotions even yep. that I might feel. Um, I also know that I had, you know, I was very curvy when I was younger and I had lots of interest from older guys and I don't think I, I had any skills in how to deflect from that or any skills in how to, um, you know, how to hold my ground, I guess. And, and, and I really hear you when you say like the confidence thing and the self-worth thing is a really important factor to that. Yeah, and I really like what you said there um, about attention from older guys. I too had similar experiences, although I don't think I was probably as curvy as you, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought that was a really good thing, which I'm not sure what you thought, but that's how young women sometimes are programmed. We we don't have the confidence yet and we might not know how to hold our ground, ground, but getting that sexual attention can feel really validating and really affirming. Mm. And is that something that comes up for, so for those of us out there that, that have teenage daughters or, you know, or teenage sons as well, um, I'd, like, I'd love for you to tell us about what you hear in, in, in workshops talking to the girls and, and working with them on the ground. Like what are some of the issues that they're talking about? Yeah, definitely. And I'm probably talking about porn because that's what my training was on today. But there are actually five sessions and Mm. the first session is probably one of my favourites and it's called A Sexy Society. Mm -hmm. And we look at pop culture, social media and what empowerment actually means because, as you would know, being in the, the TV and film industry, we can be sold an idea of empowerment as a woman and especially to young women. So, you know, if you're hot and you're sexy and you're down the beach and you've got all this attention, that's seen as empowerment. You know, you're owning it. You've got good things coming to you. You know, what else would you want? And the other notion is objectification. So I try to talk to the girls about these two terms. That's Mm -hmm. the real aim of the workshop and try to get them to understand that actually self-objectification, even if the result is positive, is actually objectification. So it's not empowerment. And the young women themselves, they can either be really aware and really empowered already. They kind of understand more than we know. They understand more than they let on. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they've got more information available to them because of the internet than we ever would have. 
So they say some pretty interesting things. For example, I will use, you know, Kim Kardashian naked selfie or talk about Emrata, you know, the model Emily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you say her last name? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) But she's really beautiful, really typically sexy. You know, she posts photos in gorgeous lingerie and she's actually quite an intellectual, which is a really, you know, enticing mix. So she'll post topless photos but then say, hey, this is my sexuality and I'm owning it. Um, Please don't shame me. You know, what other people think doesn't matter. So young women look at that and go, well, hell yeah, that's, that's great. That's the right thing. And looking at images of Kim Kardashian, they might say that, well, actually, she's not objectifying herself. She can do what she wants. Mm. So that's a really kind of interesting space. We always have a bit of a chat and debate about the interesting. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, it is an interesting debate. And I can say, you know, I, of course, my ears prick up about it because I um, spent so many years in the modeling industry. Um, and I definitely, like when you say that, I can picture myself going through that chapter of my life where I thought, yes, I am completely empowered in this position in in a bikini on the front cover of a magazine. I felt empowered and I felt like it was, you know, it was my choice to do that and I really uh, flew the flag of that um, and felt it deeply. Uh, And then as I started to get older, I realised, well, hang on a minute, if I'm so empowered, why is my self-worth and my confidence still so low? Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, Imogen, I remember images of you and I thought that you were the most empowered woman ever. (laughs) I remember seeing images of you, you know, in magazines or on guys I know walls or even women's walls. And I guess to you, did you feel that your image was, you know, totally inconsistent with how you felt inside, even while taking those photos or being in that space? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I, well, no, I didn't because I, I had, well, I had social anxiety and I, when I got into modeling, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily to fix that, but it was definitely me putting myself in a position where I was open to, um, completely open to rejection. I definitely at first got into it because I thought, well, I, I was approached to be on the cover of. Um, Inside Sport magazine and the editor then who I adore he's an an awesome person but he said to me come on you can and I was like oh I'm too short and I'm all these reasons why I couldn't and the more that I said that the more enticing it was for me to prove people wrong that I could and so I did I had that kind of thing about me that I was like I have to prove people wrong that a model can be five foot three damn it um and now when I look back on that I laugh um but (laughs) but you did it you did really well yeah but but I definitely I what what it didn't change for me is it didn't get rid of the social anxiety if anything it enabled me to have this barrier between myself and other people um, yep. For a long period of time, I hid behind my career and sort of stayed isolated um, because it was an excuse. Well, I was too busy. I was too, you know, I had so much going on. I couldn't possibly be doing lots of social things. And that's why you'll, you'll not find lots of pictures of me at parties over the years when I was really in the entertainment industry. 
Um, yeah. So it was a barrier for me, you know, um, but, I, but my self-worth and my confidence was still incredibly low and I would say that over the years the more exposure I got um, as far as my modelling career went, the lower my self-esteem became. And I and that's only my version of it. Like I definitely know I'm on the same page as you in that it's only my my version, it's only my opinion, and it's not the same for everyone. Yeah, but that's actually really fascinating and you haven't shared that with me before and we haven't gone too much into your um, story around your career. I've always wanted to know more. But young women probably would, would would be so surprised by that they would find that absolutely shocking because that is what they're aiming for you know mm. a lot of young women if they were given the opportunity and let's use social media instead of a sports magazine just for the moment yes. you know if they if they could get a hundred thousand followers promotions to go to festivals free bikinis and this is generalizing but just for the sake of this tiny part mm. I, oh, I got they, all that so it's good yeah it's that's good yes yeah I think that they would find that to be absolutely the epitome of success as a young woman you know they would be so happy they would feel so good they would feel so free so to hear your story that you actually felt the opposite is really interesting and that's where within the workshops I find those aha moments and penny dropping moments really satisfying because 12 and 13 year old girls that have grown up with social media and reality stars they actually really can't understand objectification and that's what sometimes is a little scary they will say if you look good everything's good and yeah. you really have to unpack it with them yeah and I think what happens is it becomes this vortex of addiction to perfection as well in that you're continuously striving for you know like a photoshopped image is never what you're going to look like when you wake up in the morning and look in the mirror it's just not possible and the more that you put yourself in a position this is what I, I found for me again this is only my experience the more that I put myself in that position and the more that I was in a position where I was competing with other women um in the beauty stakes of things that the more that I I punished myself I had um I had an addiction to what my body looked like so I exercised incessantly there were times in my career when I was doing two and a half hours twice a day and I was yeah and I was eating you know next to nothing I remember I eating just one sachet of porridge and and two rice cakes in a day and got really sick from that and had, you know, eating disorders. And and I now I'm very conscious of it and I can still catch myself when I'm seeking that and it still happens when I'm seeking that validation from outside. And I and I look at and meet young women today and I and I feel for them because I think it's it's where it was at the peak of my career, it is the industry is now on steroids in yes. that there's always somebody new with more likes, more followers, the, they've got the latest outfit and then they've got, you know, more likes, more followers and then they've got the new latest outfit and it just it's a cycle that keeps going that you can never obtain, uh, yep. you, can, you can never get to the top of that game. Yes, and I think there is a quote, um, I think Dita Von Tees says, you know, you can be the ripest, juiciest peach in the world, 
and there's always going to be somebody that doesn't like peaches, you know, they like something else yes. or, um, you know, beauty does fade and even though you might be the most beautiful girl on the block this week, you might not be next week and then there's nothing you can do about it and that's what's really important, talking to young women about actually intrinsic worth and who you are as a person and how that can be really sexy and really attractive and help you feel good on the outside as well because as you said with social media it is very extrinsic now it's competitive I do talk to young women about comparison and why we do it and how to stop Um, but something I'd love to ask you that I'd find interesting because you know the images I saw of you you were absolute perfection and I would say probably one of the most popular models in Australia at the time would that be right? Uh, maybe, I guess. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> because I was an insecure teenager, so mm. I was aware of all these beautiful women yeah. around me. So what were some of the things that you would find you would compare yourself with with other models? Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, well, I, I guess there was always somebody taller. There yep. was always somebody um, in another country who was earning more money because Australia – uh, was never going to be the biggest earner. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, the constant com- comparison of, you know, what my body was like. What, were my teeth white, and, white enough? Was my tan enough? Was the bikini that I was wearing the latest? Was the photographer that I was working with, um, you know, the, the best at his job? Like all those. And it's just compete, 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 compete. And no, when I look back on that time, there was no space for the individual. There was no space for, well, this is this is me and 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 what I'm doing is enough. It was always um, an addiction to being better or or a comparison to somebody who was doing better than me. Yeah, and you know, really limiting yourself from even enjoying those moments or enjoying those successes you know it's kind of you're always taking yourself away from that moment thinking of the next one which is exactly what young women are doing mm. and you only have to look around the streets which I do I'm always staring at teenage girls which lucky I'm a young woman yes. it would probably be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it would probably be quite creepy but I just love watching them with you know real care and fascination because you know we've all used to look in the mirror and I was definitely very vain but they're glued to their phones, they're glued to looking at themselves through selfies and they're definitely seeing themselves through the lens of others and we could even take it back to, you know, the male gaze and the feminist writing around that in the early 90s, how Mm. women are seeing themselves, you know, as the mass media and the male gaze sees us. Yeah, yeah. I love where you've gone with this. I love that this has become a two-way interview as well. (laughs) (laughs) I think I don't even have a podcast, but I'd love to just interview you even more. (laughs) I can stay stay on the questions. So that's the first workshop. The second workshop is called The New Normal, and Mm -hmm. we do look at pornography, explicit content content and sexting. But it's not all doom and gloom and talking to young women in a kind of – dramatized way Mm -hmm. I actually finished the workshop looking at values and this is something I didn't learn until I was 27 I didn't actually know what my values were so you know no wonder I woke Mm. up many Sunday mornings feeling terrible because I'd actually 
jumped out of my body and left my values the night before. So I get them to start to think about what their values are, where they come from, why they're important and how they can start to use them to navigate this space. And they actually sit there silently working on their values because they know it's really important for them and they're actually really excited to work on them themselves without somebody imposing Mm. them on them. Yeah. And do you think that that it's a conversation that parents should be having with their children, their teenagers? Yeah, this is a controversial question and I'm learning more. I think at the end of the day, I was very close with my mum and we had many sexuality conversations, but I probably never would have wanted to talk to her about porn ever. Mm. (laughs) You know, I don't think if she came and sat on the end of my bed and asked me, you know, what porn are you looking at, I would actually disclose that to her. I think parents definitely have a responsibility around risk and making sure children and young people know what it is, what, you know, what are the problems with it, what are the messaging, what is what are some of the, the stereotypes that we need to be aware of. But I don't think that parents don't need to know everything that young people are doing. You mm. know, they are becoming young adults and they are forming their own identity. So I don't think it's absolutely necessary for parents to know or have conversations about everything, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Do you find that that girls react or are, you know, maybe more free and unedited if they're in a group of like-minded young women? Definitely. And you'll find this interesting too. Young women are generally introduced to porn by a male and they do not talk to their peers about it. Some do, but the majority pretend like they know everything and internalise it. So they don't actually go and talk to their friend or parents or anybody. And if you think back to when we were younger, I also pretended that I knew everything and got a lot of info from the sealed section in Cosmo. Mm, You know, that was where I went. I remember that. And Dolly Doctor. (laughs) Yeah. Dolly Doctor was great. I do think Cosmo probably had some questions to answer. I learned quite a lot from them. That was, you know, actually about pleasing the man. It had nothing to do with me. (laughs) (laughs) So that's interesting. But when they're in the group and they start to hear other people disclose or talk about what they know about porn or what they hear guys saying, they all really want to know what guys are saying. Um, Mm. They all open up. It's actually not awkward at all. Yeah, right, which is amazing. And that's the way that we want it to be. And do you think, so do you think that if your workshop was being held and there were young men and young women there that it would be more difficult? Do you think it's, is it easier because it's just women with women? I actually did a guy and girl workshop by default and the guys loved it and couldn't stop talking and the girls said nothing. So it was exactly Mm. the dynamic we might see in the playground or the classroom. I definitely want to hold the space for young women and I think they need that space. They need that space away from these external factors and judgments. Yeah. And what, so if I'm um, a parent and I want to uh, bring this into, because I know we're only up to like, 
you know, workbook two in your explanation. Um, and I know it's such a full program. But if I'm a parent and I'm, I'm hearing this and I'm going, or, or, you know, even if I'm a friend of someone who has a teenage daughter, I'm going, hey, I, I really think that this should be in my daughter's or my friend's daughter's school. How, how do they get in contact with you? So they can just go jump on the page, www.theblossomguide.com. Mm-hmm. The full program is there. They can download it. My email is there. The Facebook and Instagram is there if they want to see what the vibe is like. It's all there. Um, it has a full program summary so they can see what the learning objectives are for each session. Awesome. And I know you're also doing mentoring one-on-one with girls too, aren't you? Yes, and that's probably my favourite because I love going deep and they that is really for the girls that are definitely struggling in these areas and maybe aren't talking about it at all. So it's for them to really have that intimate space where we can talk about things one-on-one. I can give them homework to take home. I can tailor content to be exactly what they need. I've had girls that have gone through sexting incidents. I've had girls who have actually cheated on their boyfriend and been called, you know, nasty and derogatory names and had to help them journey through that shame. So it's actually really, really fun. Awesome. And so tell me um, in a nutshell what the rest of the program looks like because that's we're up to sort of would that be week two that you would do that yeah okay so tell me about the next few weeks yes I'll just summarize and we won't so week three is respectful relationships because Mm -hmm. I don't think we would have this program without addressing that week four is looking at positive female sexuality so what is sexuality I actually didn't know what that was either what is sensuality? Why are they linked and how are they separate and why are they both important? And we really break down, you know, what is positive female sexuality? What do we think within? So teach us wild awake women, what is sexuality and what is sensuality? Yeah, this is good space for that conversation. Actually, yeah. we could have talked about all that the whole time. <laughs> um, it's one of my favourites. So sexuality is your capacity for sexual feelings, It is sex or sexual acts themselves. It is your sexual orientation, so who you are attracted to. But it also is something much deeper and much more innate. It's who we are, how we present ourselves to the world through what we're wearing or maybe our behaviours and our attitudes. And that's something that young women don't understand that they're in control of. Mm. So I love sharing and exploring that with them. And sensuality is anything that engages the senses. So slowing down, enjoying ourselves, enjoying our bodies. It doesn't have to be sexual. I'm sitting here with an oil burning at the moment because that makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes young women are very busy running around trying to keep up appearances that they forget to do these nice things for themselves and work out what feels good for them. And also making them aware that their sensuality, they need to tap into that before they express their sexuality. So they can say no or they can say, this feels good, I want to do this. Amazing. And so moving on to the next, because I want to make sure that you get all this out. So what (laughs) what comes after that? So the next one is called Perception of Um, women's bodies and I actually first called it the vagina and sent that out to schools and heard nothing back 
So mm-hmm. how did I change it? <laughs> That's not surprising, Jade. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit too confronting, but I thought it was great. I thought I was a genius at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not living and- in Europe. If we were in Europe, I'm sure you could send that out and get a response. Yeah. <laughs> Only because they're more advanced than us, right, in this oh, kind of area. They are. Oh, they're so sensual. When I, whenever I go there, I'm just like, I want to be a European woman. They're just relaxed and very comfortable in their bodies and their sexuality. And I think mm-hmm. it's something in their culture but maybe even taught better when they're younger, something they're much more comfortable with. And do you think that people in the education space that you're in are able to do more outside of Australia when you look at the overseas and what people who are doing what you're doing are doing? Yeah, definitely. I met a woman today who goes to the US. She works in Arizona. She works in the San Fernando Valley. And yeah, she's actually traveling around the world because these issues are consistent across cultures Mm. and particularly in Western countries. Yeah. And are the schools more receptive to it? Are they taking it on board? quicker than than we're doing here in Australia? I'm not sure. That's something I'm not totally familiar with yet. I know a lot of research has come out of the UK, Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure maybe they're doing more within schools. But see, America's really interesting because on one hand they've got, you know, great wellbeing leaders, so many um, people leading with their heart and doing great work, but they're also still, you know, battling with abstinence and teaching abstinence within schools. Mm. So it's a very interesting It's contrasting, place. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really would love to get out there eventually and learn learn a lot more. Um, but the last session, just to keep, um, finish yes. it for you, it's not body image. It's actually looking at the female body. So how do we judge our vagina? How do we judge other young women's vaginas? how do we judge women's bodies Mm. so you know we're still not comfortable if a period ad comes on and there's a lot of work going on around this now and we still you know if a a young woman sleeps around you still hear the word slut very commonly Mm. thrown around and to me I want to teach young women that these words don't actually just hurt the other woman, they actually hurt you as well. You know, shaming other women and shaming their bodies is shaming your precious female body as well. And where have these attitudes come from? They've been passed down from, you know, the Victorian era of England when it was very, very different society and women weren't seen as sexual beings at all. So, yeah, I love that session as well. Fantastic. So I have a couple of wild awake questions for you. The first one is, what is something that you have gotten from your mother and, and, and something that affects your mission today? That is such a beautiful question. <laughs> oh, I think without sounding cliche that I've been given purpose from my mother she really really taught me that well purpose and strength that we can do anything with our lives and that I guess that we are okay within and self-sufficient and no matter what happens you can get through it as a woman and almost like transform throughout your whole life Mm -hmm. so each journey so you know you might be married between your 20s and your 40s but then if you get divorced, you kind of almost like shed that skin and create again and become a whole nother woman. And 
I don't mean that as in like, yeah, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing because it's taught me that no matter what happens, I'm creating myself and my future and I don't need to get bogged down or depressed by my life circumstances. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. It sounds like I, I would love your mother. I love yes. her just hearing this. <laughs> I love that. It's the transformation and not having attachment, right, to the this perfect picture. Like it's amazing if you're still married when you're 40 and you're 15 and you're 60 and you're 70 and you're 80 and there are people that are. But if things change or if you're not somebody who wants to get married and if things change and that's okay I love this transformative message and what is something that you got from your grandmother that affects your mission today oh I love this one really throwing me off Imogen I think my grandmother gave me peace within Mm. or you know I, I always think of her when I'm trying to get peace within because She's a very homely woman and she's always kind of just at home doing her own thing, very happy, very at peace, very content. And she always tells me not to worry what others are thinking or to get caught up in any expectations to just do what you want to do. Oh, I love that. I love it. And what makes you feel wild and awake? I think... When I'm not putting an act on, (laughs) so when I don't think I have to be a certain somebody or, you know, say the right thing or impress somebody and I can just be authentic and be myself, I feel very wild and very awake and very energised. Amazing. And if you could teach a child just one lesson, what would it be? One lesson. That is a very hard question. Because I know you have so many that you want to teach them, but you can only pick one. (laughs) I know. I can hear your brain saying, which module of the Blossom Guide will I teach them? (laughs) Well, I'm even thinking, you know, just that deeper philosophical question, I guess to live a life with love, Mm. you know, to love yourself, to love others, to love every moment, to love what you're doing. You know, I do see young people getting caught in that trap of thinking, you know, what success is, what they have to do, Mm. but that's not going to be a great life, living a life with love is. Yeah, come from love, not fear, right? Yes, that's the one. It's been amazing, Jade, and I know, you know, the work that you're doing is is leading edge and it's not always easy. I know that you have worked long and hard and put a lot of work into this very intricate program that is doing great things for women. I'm, as your friend, um, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And I just want to say to you, please keep going because it's so needed. And the young women are responding so well. And then for the listeners of Wild Awake Women, please let us know where we can find you. I know you've already given us your website, but but please do it again. Uh, if you are interested in the Blossom Guide, which is a program for empowering women and it's uh, a program that can be done as a workshop in schools or in your business or your community space or if you're looking for some one-on-one mentoring for your daughter, I highly recommend Jade. So, Jade, tell us where we can find you. Oh, thank you, Imogen, and thank you so much for your kind words and support. So it is www.theblossomguide.com, but you can also directly email me at jade, J-A-Y-D-E, at theblossomguide.com. 
awesome. And what are your social media handles? Because we want to follow you and see what you're doing. Oh, yeah. So the links are all on the website. They're all, all there. The of, awesome. Yeah, at the bottom of the page you can link straight there because it is. you can just look up the Blossom Guide. They should come up, but I'm not exactly sure how to spell out the Instagram handle. No problem. That's okay. I love that you're not super t- tech savvy. <laughs> well, I should be. I really should be. So this is what I'm learning. It's okay. I think it's is your is your Instagram name the Blossom Guide? Yeah, they should both just yeah. come up. If you so type it should in the just Blossom be Guide. at the Blossom Guide. That's the one, Imogen. That's it's not it. hard, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I feel wildly awake. I feel excited. Um, you know, for the young women out there that you are out there doing this for them. And thank you so much and have a great night. Thank you so much. I think what you're doing is amazing, Imogen, and thank you for creating this platform. I can't wait to listen to many other podcasts. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Well, sisters, thank you so much for joining us on Wild Awake Women and I look forward to delivering you a new episode in a couple of weeks' time. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group, you can send a member request to at Wild Awake Women where you will find lots of Wild Awake Women with many offerings. We share articles with each other. We share therapies, modalities, tips and all sorts of things. So it's a great place to connect with like-minded women, send a membership request there. If you're interested in becoming a women's circle facilitator or if you want to explore workshops, retreats or support groups for women, then I encourage you to take a look at my online course. It's available through my website, which is imogen-bailey.com or also on my doula website, which is honoringheart.com. I really enjoyed this episode and I look forward to being with you again soon. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.